I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, good news up in here. The AC is back on. I do have a few um, blister scars on my chest from the heat rash that I got from not having AC, but I'm in a much better space this week, even though I'm telling you, this shadow, like, stuff that comes with before mercury and retrograde is hitting me like a brick wall my car was in the shop my ac broke the heat rash gurgi got his eye scratched at the groomer and he was walking around like a little cyclops just like weird shit going on you know and and not great but we're in a good headspace right now and we are here Last week, I talked about how I had never tried hot Cheetos and how I'd only tried the Cheeto fries. So when I was at Target this past weekend, I had to pick up a bag. And you know what? I mean, I've eaten an embarrassing amount of the bag. Like there's nine servings and I make every serving about, you know, three. Like I feel like I do that with everything. Like ice cream, I'm like, yeah, four servings my ass. Um, Once a half a cup serving of ice cream. Exactly. So I have eaten a lot of these hot Cheetos, so I feel like I can safely give my thoughts on them. I know this is definitely what you're here for. Um, But it ties in with our story last week. So I actually totally believe that the Richard, that he was uh, making these after sort of a Mexican flavoring because they actually do taste um, similar flavor profile to Takis, which I didn't really notice when I was younger and eating the fries because I hadn't eaten Takis at that point. And... I think what they need to do, this is their next billion dollar idea, I think they need to mix the cheese Cheetos, the regular ones, with the hot Cheetos. That's just my hot take because it gives you a little variety. It can be a little one note. Sometimes I was like choking on my Cheeto spit when I was eating the hot Cheetos. Anyways, let's get, let's get into the episode. Guys, it's come out that Kim Kardashian did not pass the baby bar. So as I'm sure a lot of you are aware, Kim K was trying to become a lawyer without going to law school, and she also didn't actually graduate college. So the process of doing that's a little different. There's only a few states that allow it, and California is one of those states. And so she has to go through like four years of private tutoring, and after the first year of schooling, she has to take what they refer to as the baby bar. And she unfortunately didn't pass, and she was talking about on her show about kind of losing the dream, losing the hope about whether she should become a lawyer. And I just really hope that she keeps up at it. I was just talking with my lawyer friend before this came out saying that I thought she would definitely pass the baby bar, go on past the actual bar. And I just don't want her to give up. As much as I tell everyone not to go to law school and become a lawyer, but it's like she said, she's already put a lot of time in it and she studied so much. And I just think she just has to do it at this point. Like, I just feel like she's so close, you know, so I don't want her to give up. But it's also ironic because she's being sued a lot recently from former people who worked for her saying that it was unfair work conditions. Ugh. So, you know, if at least she gets that law degree, law license, she can defend herself. You know, I'm sure she has a lot of high powered attorneys, but that would be kind of satisfying for her. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, again, I hate being a lawyer. I hated taking the bar. Taking the bar was truly one of the worst experiences of my life, um, which sounds so dramatic and unnecessary considering it's basically a standardized test. But just the pressure that's around it 
and you feel like you have to pass and I think you're made to feel so like embarrassed if you don't pass even though you shouldn't because a lot of really intelligent people who've gone on to be incredibly successful did not pass the bar on the first try but regardless it's a lot of pressure and I bet Kim was feeling a lot of pressure taking that baby bar so I wish her the best if the allegations against her though and these lawsuits are true yikeroni and cheese let me tell you we watched the pink documentary that's on Amazon Prime this past week I love nothing more than a pop star documentary it brings me such joy I mean never say never is one of the best I love the Katy Perry one I loved the Demi Lovato series even though that was a little bit less of like your typical you know documentary I loved all of the One Direction ones I saw One Direction one in theaters Yes, Kenzie went with me to that. It was amazing. I don't know. I just love them. I think it's because it really lets me vicariously live out my pop star fantasy. And I thought her and Carrie Hart's relationship was so cute. Kenzie was shocked that she's like one of the best selling artists of all time. And I'm like, yes, she's pink. Hello. And she has these two adorable children and they were on tour with her. Honestly, it was kind of making me want to have kids, which I never feel and I never say. But then I had to check myself and I was like, no, I want to have kids if I could like tour and be a pop star with them. Like that's that's how I want to have kids. Um, not that I don't want to have kids. I'm just saying it's not something I'm very sure about or necessarily at that point right now. But I'm telling you, it kind of made me like want to have like my little kids on tour with me. Podcast tour, maybe. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I said I was going to do a track by track of Sour, which is Olivia Rodrigo's new album. But y'all, I think it's just because I didn't have that young puppy love. Like I really never had love at all. So while I like and appreciate the songs, they just don't quite speak to me on quite the level of a Taylor Swift album, which I definitely can do like, you know, a track by track review of because they're a little more angsty. And while I can fantasize about a love story romance, I just don't think I have enough fire in me for many of the songs off of Sour. Uh, But I did want to talk about this. Speaking of Olivia Rodrigo, obviously we talked about John Mulaney and his wife getting divorced and how he was with Olivia Munn. You know the spiel. So Anna Tindler, who is his, is that her name? Am I having to have that right? Uh, His ex-wife now. She posted on Instagram. She like, it was an Instagram story and she had used Olivia Rodrigo's picture of her album. And she wrote, hey, bestie, you want to hang out? (laughs) And it's sad, but it's also funny. (laughs) I mean, it's because I'm sure she is jamming in all of her feelings to all of Sour. See, she's someone who can like really feel those songs. I just, I don't think I've experienced that yet in my life or at, you know, I, I, I missed that realm of my life happening. Cause I just feel like even now, if I am in love, it's not going to be the same angsty feeling that you have as a high schooler. Speaking of music, there is a rumor that John Mayer is releasing his single, uh, n- tomorrow, actually, in advance of his album that's supposed to come out on the 20-year uh, reunion anniversary of Room for Squares. So, yeah, that came out 20 years ago, which was really just a knife in my heart over how old I feel. And I wanted to bring this up because I feel like that is a little bit of a clue for my next week's guest that I don't want to jinx it, but hold on dear horses because I think our next week's guest it's not John Mayer but it is related to that and if you are an OG fan you may know what I'm talking about and if you have an idea please DM me and maybe I'll tell you if you're right on your your inklings 
Another blast from the past, Lindsay Lohan is apparently going to be starring in a Netflix Christmas rom-com this year. Netflix Christmas rom-coms are a special breed of trash, and you can bet your bottom dollar that I've watched all of the Vanessa Hudgens ones, but I am most excited for this one because... It's Lindslow. I mean, she has a special spot in my heart. Parent Trap will forever be a practically perfect movie in every way. And I read the blurb about this movie, and it says that she will play a newly engaged spoiled hotel heiress who gets amnesia heiress. Sorry. (laughs) I spell things phonetically sometimes, guys, when I'm writing my notes, and I spelled it (laughs) H-A-R-I-S. Heiress. Um, she gets amnesia and in, becomes in the care of a handsome blue-collar lodge owner and his precocious daughter in the days leading up to Christmas. It's worth noting that this is literally the plot to every Hallmark movie to ever exist. But a question I often find myself asking is, why are they always so classist? Like, why does it always have to be a CEO and a tradesman? And then they act like this tradesman is so poor and uneducated. And tradesmen can make really great money. And they just act like these people are so backwoods and, like, don't know what a city girl is. It's just very strange. It's very Lady and the Tramp. And I feel like it's time for us to move past that a little bit. Also, my other issue is why does the daughter always have to be precocious? Could she just be a little normal kid like eating her boogers and not trying to set up her dad in some elaborate scheme to marry the CEO? Like, I I don't understand. Let let the girl live. Why does she have to get so involved? And maybe she won't in this one, but I just have a feeling she will because that's how every single one of these movies plays out. Speaking of endeavors that maybe shouldn't exist, remember how we talked about the Powerpuff Girls reboot and it's going to be on CW and I was talking about how bad their outfits were? Well, apparently the whole series is getting reworked because the higher ups felt like it was too campy, quote unquote. Okay, my opinion on this is from what I saw, they did need to rework this show. I also saw a little clip of the script of this it got leaked and i mean they came down really hard with a copyright claim and so i don't even want to read what i was able to screenshot on here but it was the corniest fucking dialogue it was like yeah buttercup's doing fine i saw on linkedin that she has a new job and i saw on facebook that grandpa reached out to her so they're doing okay um and i saw on instagram that like she's doing really good with her instagram career i'm like what like (laughs) ew the powerpuff girls would never talk like that so I think the thing is, to me, Powerpuff Girls is high camp. It's part of what made Powerpuff Girls so delightful was the campiness of it. And there was a lot of adult humor in it. And I'm sure I need to watch it again because I felt like there was stuff that I could tell was adult humor when I was younger and I watched it. But I'm sure a lot of it was going over my head. But remember that girl? Who's the lady with just like the big tits and you don't see her face and she's just like big tits and she wears red and she works with the mayor? I was gonna say blossom for whatever oh my god it's, it's not it's someone like that it's something like that though okay well you guys know who i'm talking about i mean her titties were big and i was like why is why is this on cartoon network cartoon network had some surprisingly racy things on it um anyways i i felt like seeing those pictures like they just they weren't making it campy enough they were literally making it like 
like a beige pretty little liars like the fosters or something and i'm like this just this ain't it so hopefully with this rework it really can become what it was always meant to be another thing that's been setting the internet wild losing their mind is what appeared to be kind of threesome-esque picks between one of our favorite chaotic couples rita ora taika waititi and the third in this was Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson, um, where would people mainly know West her from? World. Westworld is probably where you would mainly she's know her from. Ragnarok. Yes, she's in Ragnarok, the Thor movie. I actually saw her when I went to that premiere that I've talked about here on a million times, Men in Black. So I actually saw her like at the after party. She was so beautiful, but she like only was there for like two minutes and she bounced and she probably went to like an even more glamorous party. Um, But she was caught in a seemingly kind of making out with Rita and Taika in a very like cozy moment. But the same day, she was also making out with this guy called Zach Stenmark, who I looked him up. He's a model. He models with his twin brother. And they are the type of obnoxious beautiful that burns your eyes because it's a little uncanny valley with how beautiful they are. Like, it just doesn't look real. It's like a little bit Madame Tussauds. Um, So she was also making out with him on that same day. And then come to find out, apparently Taika, again, this is all hearsay. This is all the rumor mill. Taika likes to throw parties that start on a Friday and go into a Sunday. And these pictures, I believe, were taken on a Sunday. So they were like maybe on a bender. You know, they might not even known who they were kissing at that point, but it really made for some interesting pictures. I'm here for it. Hot girl summer, shot girl summer. Um, and just to twist your brain a little more, and I know I just can't go an episode without talking about them, but you know, Travis Barker, Courtney Kardashian, Travis Barker and Rita Ora dated for three weeks back in the day. Three. Yeah. Count it. When? When is back in the day? I don't know. Don't make me okay. We can we have a oh 2015. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Then I also saw today that Darren Chris he was on Glee. That's probably what you most know him for. And Este Heim, who's from the Heim band, one of the sisters, BFFs with Taylor Swift. Este's the one. She's like name dropped in one of her songs, right? She's name dropped. What is what is the line? Uh, I think uh, I uh, I think you did it. I know, but what is the line? Esty's a friend of mine. Yes, thank you, Kenzie. First line. is a friend of mine. Okay, so they're doing a podcast together. And the cover is them posing as Adam and Eve. So they're just nudie with little, little leaves over their chachis. And I didn't know these two were friends. I still don't really know if they are. I was trying to look up if they are friends, and I just kept seeing articles about them doing this podcast together, but I couldn't really get like a deep delve into their past relationship, so who the fuck knows? Um, What Chris said, Darren Chris, she's a musician that does acting, and I'm an actor that does music. I mean, wow, what a reason to start a podcast, let me tell you. Um, Also, didn't know that Esty did acting, but you learn something new every day. Also, if I sound bitter, it's because if one more celebrity makes a podcast, I'm going to lose my mind. And it's going to have one makes one every day. And the thing is, how can little measly old me keep up when Darren Chris and Esty Hyam are naked on their cover? Okay. They are naked and famous, as Kenzie said. Yes. 
Y'all, I haven't done a GQ article in a while, so I wanted to start out with a GQ article. I love how deep they kind of get into their story. They, I feel like the authors of the article always get really close with their subject. It becomes very vulnerable in a way, and that's my favorite type of article to read. And to be honest, I wasn't jiving that much with the cut. So we're only getting two cut articles this week. We're getting one GQ. I hope you enjoy it. It's called Johnny Knoxville's Last Rodeo. As he prepares to release his final Jackass film, the stuntman takes stock of a surprisingly long, hilarious, painful, and unusually influential career. So for background, Jackass was on TV, MTV, for three seasons, and the premise, if you're not familiar, which you probably are, though, because it was so huge, was that they would do insane stunts, um, bodily stunts, gross things. It really was a range. And I watched it a few times, but it honestly scared me because it just was too much. It was too much for my mind. It felt like hazing culture on steroids. It was like eating puke omelets, playing nutball where they would try to hit each other in the nuts. It's literally what I imagine fraternity hazing to be like. And women could never do a show like this because they are too smart. And I stand by that. Steve-O was also in that. And Steve-O and Johnny, in my mind, are interchangeable. I have face blindness for them both. They're both very attractive in that kind of like devilish, mischievous mischievous kind of way. Um, And I can't say I've been a follower of Johnny Knoxville, but I have a general awareness of him. And he's suddenly showing his age. He's gone fully gray, but he still looks good. But the gray really makes him look older than 50, honestly. Like, it was kind of jarring because I feel like the last time I saw him, he just looked like a whole different Johnny. And my main infatuation with Johnny Knoxville actually comes from the Jessica Simpson book, Open Book, because she talked about having an emotional affair with him in that book. And it happened when they were filming the Dukes of Hazards together, and she was still married to Nick Lachey at the time. And she said she almost felt more guilty about it than uh, a physical affair because they really were so emotionally close, at least from her side of it. They would, like, write each other's letters. And he seemed really charming and cute. And, like, I don't really know what his – I can't remember what his marital situation was at the time. But – I mean, fascinating. And the fact that that didn't get asked about in this article, I was a little disappointed about. But this is more about him filming his last Jackass movie. And the article starts out with Johnny finding a box of catheters from when he, quote, broke his penis and had to administer catheters to himself two times a day. And this happened not when he was actually filming something, but he was like just visiting a set and he tried to flip a motorcycle on a whim and landed and broke his pee-pee. Or, like, whatever. I don't know exactly, like, what the medical terminology is for what happened, but it did involve catheters. I just, oh, I cannot imagine having, I didn't even know you, like, had to give catheters to yourself. I thought that was just hooked up, like, permanent, and you just did it. It can be either way. Well, I didn't know, and I just hope I never have to get that because I don't think I would have the mental strength to put a catheter in my, can women even do that? I feel like the hole is just so small. Also, have you heard that thing that that's like a sexual thing guys like to do is like stick something up their pee-pee yeah, hole? Yeah. Oh, just no thank you, ma'am. Not to yuck your yum, but no thank you, ma'am. Um, I really related to this part because when Johnny Knoxville was 29, uh, that's when Jackass came out on MTV and that was actually back in 2000. And by that time, he'd already been dyeing his graying hair brown for a few years. 
So as a gal who also chooses to dye her grays, I feel him. And apparently during the pandemic, he just said, fuck it. And he went fully gray and he says it feels very him. So he's having, I'm sorry, I'm just jumping around this article as I usually do. You know, they're very in-depth, they're long. So the author of this article is talking about having a meal with Johnny and halfway through, uh, Johnny pops up and says, hello, sir. (laughs) And he writes, he shouted over my shoulder, sounding exactly like the young Johnny Knoxville who once welcomed viewers to each episode of Jackass, which is to say like a carnival barker after a week-long bender. What's a carnival barker? No, it's his barker. Oh, they're called barkers? Who knew? Okay, he says, good to see you. Wow, man. I got it. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, man. How have you been? And it turns out that the person he was saying hi to was John C. Riley. And for some reason, John C. Riley was dressed in a powder blue three-piece suit and boots. Like, What? what the fuck? And then Johnny explained that he got to know Riley back in the 90s because somehow back then Johnny was living next to Heather Graham. Can someone explain to me how before he was even on MTV, Johnny was living next to Heather Graham, who I presume was already famous and had money at that time, and John C. Riley? Like, were they all like coming up? At the- Maybe I have my timing mixed up, but I feel like Heather Graham's been around forever. Also, this made me think about how I always say to Mackenzie, like, why can't I casually run into celebs, but I can run into someone I went to college with in a foreign country that I don't particularly want to see? Riddle me that one. Some, please, someone. Because my class wasn't that big. So, hello, why can't I see some more celebs? Putting that in the universe. And, you know, I'm not saying this to be negative, but the fact that these dudes feel the need to make another movie... It's times like this when I know I'm not motivated or maybe I'm just like not cut out for the entertainment world because why would I put my body through this when I'm sure he's doing fine financially? Like, is it really just an ego thing? Why does he need to do another Jackass movie? And because mind you, it's not like he's just producing it and not involved. Like he is still doing these hardcore stunts. And this, this article got me thinking in a lot of ways just about Jackass in general and how... In so many ways, it was really the predecessor to YouTube prank culture and kind of that concept that I don't even know when it really came into being, but like, do it for the gram, do it for the Vine. I guess it was like kind of when Vine was at its peak. I feel like, you know, doing stuff for the internet and for some reason, like young, like teen boys, This idea of like prank culture, stunt culture, doing stupid shit is really appealing to them. And in my mind, it's so damaging. And yet it's funny to me that as a culture, we still really support that kind of culture. And (laughs) moving off of that, this article also alerted me that his actual name. Are you ready for this? Johnny Knoxville's actual name is PJ Clapp. I don't know what the PJ stands for. But it sounds like something you would name a character in a sitcom that gets a lot of STDs, like a little innuendo. I mean, he should have kept that name, honestly. It's pretty iconic. That sounds made up and Johnny Knoxville sounds real. Yeah. If you had to pick, if you had to tell me like which one was the fake name. PJ Clapp. Yeah, for sure. So the origin of Jackass was actually pretty fascinating to me because 
Johnny moved out to L.A. when he was young. I think he, he was like 19. And he was kind of working at these like edgy magazines, publications. And one of the publications he worked for was called Big Brother. And so at one point he pitched to the editors of Big Brother on conducting an experiment where he would test things like pepper spray, stun guns, tasers, bulletproof vests, and he would use them on himself and shoot himself with them to see how effective they were. And Jeff Tremaine was the editor of Big Brother. And he assigned Johnny the story. And he also suggested that Johnny videotape his efforts. And... Uh, you know, Knoxville did this and the magazine came out and they had a few videos with it and the tapes kind of made their way around Hollywood and Knoxville Tremaine, who was the editor, and then Spike Jones, obviously hugely famous director, showed a version to MTV and the execs were like, yes, we want to build a show around this sort of thing. And Spike Jones was stunned And he said it was an absurd idea that somebody was going to give us money to do that. And it's so wild to me that it just was kind of that easy and just came together like that. And I know shows can still kind of happen like that. But now if you look at MTV's roster, it's either reboots of things that happened in the past, like The Hills, reiterations of things that happened in the past, like uh, Siesta Key instead of a Laguna, Laguna Beach, or you have them doing... YouTube reality shows with YouTube stars like Tana Mojo, Bretman Rock. And I don't know. I just thought it was so crazy that that's how a show that was as big as Jackass and has spawned so many offshoots came to be. Now, this is a quote from apparently one of Johnny's good friends, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy says, I remember one time I went to his office It was Knoxville and Spike Jones and a producer, and they all had black eyes. I, of course, wondered why they had black eyes, and they explained that they had to take their lot ID photos, the little card that gets you onto the production lot, and they wanted to make sure they had black eyes for their pictures. So they punched each other in the face for an ID. This is not a part of the movie or the show. This is just three crazy people. Kimmel also went on to describe Johnny as a sweetheart. I'm sorry, that ID story is a perfect example of like women would just not do that. And I'm really not trying to stereotype or group people together, but I'm just not buying it. I'm mm, so stupid. I like there's no other word for it. And then in true jackass fashion, this article ends with Johnny filming the most recent movie and getting severely injured by a bull ramming into him. (laughs) So that's that article. (laughs) Like, why they really felt the need to do a deep profile on Johnny Knoxville, I don't know. Why I felt the need to speak about it, also a little bit unclear, but I hope you enjoyed that. This next one kind of ties in because I feel like all of the jackass guys would be into poop humor. I can't get enough of this Tasmanian poo museum drama by Amanda Arnold. This is our first cut article of the day. So playing out in Tasmania is a bitter struggle between freedom of expression and censorship, the little guy and the man, right and wrong itself. It's a struggle between the owner of the Australia's island's small yet prized Poozium, a museum dedicated entirely to the intriguing world of animal droppings, and members of the local city council who want to see the cultural institution's iconic sign done away with. So that's what Amanda wrote. The sign is says Poozium, and then it has a little penguin over it, bending over and projectile pooping. And apparently it's been a long source of tension. 
please visit the site Google Poozium, P-O-O-S-E-U-M, because there on the site is an animated image of the penguin projectile pooping. So he like bends over and it literally shoots out. I also learned the following from a little perusal of the website that Karen Koch, who's one of the people who's in a fight with the city about this, she started the museum and she says that uh, with a background in arts, tourism and event management, I was looking for a new project. (laughs) When I read a story about a small caterpillar being able to launch its poo up to 1.5 meters away. Now that's an achievement, wouldn't you agree? A person 1.8 meters tall would have to eject their poo 70 meters to compete. She goes on to say that she was intrigued, so she started to do some research on animal feces, and soon the idea for a poo museum was born. So the mayor, who's one of the people that she's in this fight with, he disputes the narrative that the city just wants the poo sign gone. He says that their disapproval of the sign has absolutely nothing to do with the rendition of a penguin letting out a long string of poo, but that they don't like it because it doesn't apply with the heritage scheme whatever that is he i think the issue is that it's yeah it's a size and orientation issue but the sign is pretty standard size like it doesn't look that crazy and this story (laughs) reminds me of my literal favorite youtube video of all time and it is the pillsbury wait did you know that's what i or did you look at my notes no, I knew that you were oh. going to say that. Okay, so there's this Pillsbury Doughboy commercial that for the longest time I thought was a real commercial. I've probably <gasps> mentioned it on here before because it just takes up a lot of real estate in my mind. <laughs> and it's the Pillsbury Doughboy, and he gets so excited <gasps> that he lets out a little, like, crescent a little two, and it's a little poo, but it's shaped like a crescent roll. <laughs> put the, put the sound in. Okay, we'll put the audio in. New Pillsbury Funfetti Microwave Cupcakes. Hey, cheer up. I will also put the link to the YouTube video if you want to view that. And honestly, like, I'm not a poop humor gal. I'm really not. That doesn't get me going in the laughter department. But this video, if you want to smile today, just, just go watch it. Just trust me on this one, guys. Oh, it's so, so good. Uh, Also, when I was visiting this website, I learned some interesting facts um, that I will share with you guys. Did you know that bears' butts plug up in the winter? Did you know that, Kenzie? It makes sense. I mean, if they're hibernating, you know, got to plug it up. Termites get killed by deadly farts, which means that my dad will probably never have termites around him because... (laughs) I'll let you figure that one out. Uh, some animals only poo once a year. Constipation station. All right. For our last article of the day, this isn't an uplifting one, but it's one that I had to address. You know, it's hard for me to pass up a Florida article. And this has been getting a lot of traction lately, so I felt like it was worth talking about. A Florida school edited girls' yearbook photos for Modesty by Amanda Arnold. Where has Sanjita been? I don't know if she's taken vacation. I haven't seen an article from her in a while. So the school that did this is Bartram Trail High School, which is in St. John's County, Florida. It's up in North Florida, kind of like outside of the Jacksonville area, which is where I was born. And this school has apparently had a lot of criticism over its strict dress code policy that obviously unfairly 
targets female students. There, it made headlines earlier this year because on one day, 31 citations were issued um, in a single day. And girls were asked to lift their arms to see if their shirts raised to expose their stomach. And one student said that a male teacher told her to remove her zip-up jacket in front of the other staff and students because he considered her sports bra to be in violation of the sports co- of the school's code. So riddle me that why she has a sports bra on that's covered with a jacket, but then he made her take the jacket off. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? So what's recently happened, you might have seen this going around because it was like on Instagram. It was everywhere. Um, they photoshopped girls yearbook portraits and the new york times actually reported on this and it says they photoshopped at least 80 students pictures they were all females and as the cut writes they were conspicuously and clumsily edited to conceal their chests and shoulders and yeah the parents are saying that no male students were digitally altered first off shouldn't need to be said stop sexualizing girls bodies These are literally girls. They're not even 18 yet, maybe with the exception of a few of them who turned 18 when they're in high school, which really, frankly, doesn't even matter. It it just makes me so upset. Like. And I shouldn't even have to sit here and say what they were wearing wasn't revealing, but it it really, truly wasn't. It was just a matter of the fact that they have boobs because they are growing into women. They have shoulders because they are humans. And so if a girl had on like an off the shoulder shirt, even if it all like no cleavage, but showed a shoulder, they would like do this really shitty photoshopping and like make sleeves on it. They put like black bars over the chest. If it was like a black shirt, it was the worst Photoshop I've ever seen. Like I am shit at Photoshop, but I could have done better than this. And it's like, if you're going to do something this egregious, like at least make it good, at least make it a little subtle. And I, uh, it just, it's so upsetting to me. Like these girls already are having to navigate coming into a more womanly body, navigate, you know, puberty, post-puberty, adolescence. And they're having people without their permission edit photos of them that are going to be in their yearbook, which at that time, like your yearbook is so important to you. Like, I feel like you put a lot of stock into that. I was on yearbook and part of the reason I was on yearbook is because I really valued yearbook like for what it was, I was only on a junior year and then my teacher was crazy. So I scooted on out of there. She wanted me to be the editor in chief and I like co-editor in chief. And I was like, no ma'am, but still love yearbook in theory. And I don't know. It just makes me really sad. And one of the quotes that it ended with says my daughter's been hospitalized twice this school year due to the stress and pressure this past year has brought upon her including body image issues which she's still seeking regular treatment for this is from adrian bartlett who's uh was the mom of one of the daughters whose photo was edited and now the school has made a decision that is now drawing attention to her body in a negative way it sends the message that our young girls should be ashamed of their naturally growing bodies just like shame on you shame on schools for having these like archaic rules not putting any of the onus on boys 
like why so like a boy can show his shoulder i'm i guarantee if i looked in this yearbook there'd be people with those like muscle tanks where like half a little boy titty is showing okay and i bet they didn't do anything about that anyways i think about it a lot i think about this a lot for this week um we've been doing a couple deep cuts lately so i thought it would be fun to do and i think about this a lot and this isn't a moment in time. This is just something I frequently think about like every time I'm trying to make a reservation and all I can get is one for, you know, five o'clock, which is fine with me because I am sort of a, I'm an early eater. But how do celebs get reservations? Like how, I guess I even wonder about this like with my friends who work at law firms, like how do they get like the partner, or you know, like if there's like a partner dinner, I feel like they can always get these really elite reservations. The celebs, what do they do? Because I've heard at some places, like if Kendall Jenner wants to go to Nobu Malibu, she has like a password she gives. That I get. Like when it's those those places that they go, the ones we talked about, the Rainforest Cafe is for celebs. I get it. But what if they want to go to some cool up and coming underground place and they want to make a reservation and they need to make it clear that they are actually a celeb and not just faking? How do they do that? Can someone tell me like, I feel like I've tried to Google this and I just can't get a conclusive answer about how it's actually done. Maybe I need to write into Dumois. She, I definitely feel like she would know the answer to this. Or someone could provide her with the answer. And I don't know why I care. I think it's just because as I've been over many a times, I have no interest in being famous, but I do have a lot of interest in access. And I would love if I could just eat wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted to. But speaking of that, did you guys see that thing that went viral when Adam Sandler tried to eat at an IHOP and the lady turned him away? So, you know, like celebs just are like us sometimes. Like, sometimes they can't even get into IHOP, you know? So, and that's fine. Like, he, he seems like such a nice celebrity. He didn't demand special treatment. He didn't pull a Reese Witherspoon when she got pulled over. No, do you know who I am to be heard? And I love that about him. Guys, we've made it to our legit shit of the week. This is a little alcoholic beverageino. Uh, my friend... Natalie introduced me to these. We were out the other night. We were at a yappy hour with our dogs. It was so cute. They're being crazy right now. I've had to pause this podcast like five times because they won't shut up, but they are so cute. Um, And she had one and she had it like a passion fruit flavor and that one was so good. So I got a pack. They didn't have the tropical pack at Target, but I got a pack of the normal ones and they're so delicious. And not that I'm saying you need to regulate this. Like I don't give a shit. I don't usually care whatever I'm drinking but they only have 90 calories and they don't have like they have one gram of carbs like even the other ones are like supposed to be healthy sometimes they do have more carbs a little bit more calories so and these are also just delicious and Funky Buddha is a Florida brewery so if you see those next time you're out give them a go I'm sure they sell them outside of Florida right like I don't think it's just a Florida thing anyways hope you enjoyed this episode I keep forgetting to really hype myself up at the beginning and tell you to please share this podcast with a friend if you enjoy it and follow me at kind of cute podcast or at bailey evan on instagram dm me and get up in the emails but yeah most importantly give a five-star rating a written review on apple Podcasts, subscribe wherever you listen and tell a friend if you like kind of cute and i will see you next week bye